0: always wonderful if we take time to be with the Lord. I hope you already do that. If you don't, you can't start any sooner than today. That's one of the things that is um, sort of come to be missing, I believe, in the church today is is, um, people that do love the Lord, but they have not actually come to a place where on a daily basis they're meeting with the Lord. God wants to meet with every person in this room. Every one of us. Every one of us. Not just the ones that we think are the most spiritual, but all of us. Every day He wants to be with us. There used to be a song that uh, the words were, take time to be holy, meet off with thy Lord, looking always to Jesus and trusting in his word. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I hope you're already doing that, spending time with the Lord. Are we going to have the scripture up, or is it already up? Luke chapter 16. I had five things already, and um, <clears throat> I um, got up early this morning, and I felt like the Lord was leading me to set those aside. You'll be glad because all of them were longer than the message today. This will probably be the shortest message that I've ever preached, but it is a very important important word. Luke chapter 16, beginning at the 19th verse and reading down through verse 31. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, or they have the Pentateuch and the writings of the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham. But if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Would you bow your heart with me and and pray that the word of the Lord would come forth? Hallelujah. Father, This is your word, Lord. It is the word of the living God. It has never changed. It is the word of God. The inerrant word of God. We thank you for your word, Father. Thank you that you gave a copy to all of us, Lord. When somebody began many years ago finally putting the word of god in people's hands we bless you father we thank you for your word we thank you for your spirit lord father i confess this morning that i need your guidance and need your anointing and need your help i bring the five loaves and two fishes to you but unless you bless them lord The words will dribble down my chin and puddle on the floor. Let your words speak to us today. In the name of Jesus Christ, your Son and our Lord, and we thank you for it, Father. Amen. Praise God. What time is it? That clock is not working, I don't think. 11.20. Okay, I'll be through by 11.30. Not really. Not really. This story, Brother Scurry, Sister Scurry, we've been missing you, but we're glad you're back. (laughs) Wave at them so they'll see you. Wave at them. This story, you could call it a narrative, or you could call it An account, whatever you want to call it, it doesn't really matter about that. But this parable, some call it a parable, this parable was the most stern of any that Jesus ever taught, as far as we know. And I think that it should be connected with the 13th and 14th verses of this same chapter of Luke. Chapter 16. Stephanie, could you all pull that up for me? Verses four, 13 and 14 of that same chapter. And the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things. That's the wrong one. <laughs> okay, are, is, are we right now? Okay. No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other Or else he will hold to the one and despise the other You cannot serve God and mammon Mm -hmm. And the Pharisees also who were covetous Heard all these things And they derided him They derided him What is the purpose of this teaching that I want to give this morning. A number of years ago, I I did a series on this very chapter here at a church where we pastored before. And it was amazing the things that I saw in that chapter, but I never saw what I want to talk about today. What is the purpose of Jesus' teaching? And it is very simply this. Are you listening now? It is meant this teaching is meant to come against the heartless, selfish use of wealth. It's a little warm, so I'm gonna take this off. Pastor, I might have to I might need some help. I got a little problem on the shoulder. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. It's, it's, it's okay? How's that? Okay, good. This parable or account, narrative, whatever you want to call it, of Jesus' teaching was meant by him to come against the heartless, selfish use of wealth. It is meant to speak to us today. It spoke then and it's spoken all these years since. And it's meant to speak to us today. And in it, Jesus comes against, one more time, against the heartless, selfish use of wealth. Now, some of you are going to say, well, it's time for me to go to sleep because I'm not wealthy. Well, compared to most of the rest of the world, every person in here is very well off. Amen? Compared to most of the world, Compared to countries where people work an entire year for $300, not $300 a week or $300 a day, but $300 for a whole week. And there may be less incomes than even that. But all of us, all of us are very blessed. God has been very gracious to us. And we are well off. We are well off. If you're here today with a need, I want you to know that God wants to meet your need. He wants to do that. I can remember when my mother and dad had just been saved a short time, and they had never owned a home, never had a home other than a rented home. And uh, this home came available, and they began to pray about it. And they prayed and prayed and prayed and said, We want your will, Father. We don't want to miss you. We want to know if this is your will. And they said, if it is, then we want you to provide what we need to make this happen by such and such a time. I can remember that uh, the house was a $14,000 house. That was a long time ago. And the time came right up to the very last minute. The very last minute. You know, God is usually not early. And He never is late. It came right up to the moment or time to make the phone call to say, Yes, we want it and we have our financing and we're ready to go forward. It happened at the very last minute. And the reason I told that story is because some of you may be waiting on a miracle from God. He is still the God who works miracles in His people's lives. Not only to bless them, but so that other people will see what is happening and they will have their faith energized to believe that God is good and God wants everything to be provided for us. I'm getting on Daniel's sermon from Wednesday night just a little bit, but I'll get off of it now. It may not seem as if God is coming, but He is coming. He is coming. If you have submitted your life to Him, if you have put everything on the altar and said, Lord, I only want this if you want me to have it, then God really gets to listening. So often we have our plans. Anybody else want to put their hand up? We do have We have our plans How we want it I imagine there's someone in this room though That you wanted something very badly And you were determined to get it And God did not let you have it And you've been glad ever since That's true See God is looking out for more than just what our bank statement says he is looking out for his people. And you may be sitting here this morning feeling like God is nowhere around, nowhere to be found. And your, your situation is coming right down to the wire. And it doesn't look like he's going to provide. But if you put your trust in him. If you put your trust in him. And if you stand on his word and quote his word to the evil one. He he said, my word is like a sword. It's the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of the Lord. And sometimes nothing will work except to take the sword of the Spirit and say, in Jesus' name, it shall be so. In Jesus' name, it shall be so. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pastor said, it shall be done. It shall be done. It shall be done that word of God it will bring us through when nothing else will that's why we have to hide it down in our heart we don't just come and expect pastor to do everything for us but we take the word of God on our lips and we put it down in our spirit and when we get the word of God down in our spirit We are more than a match for the evil one. We are more than a match for the evil one. I've had times where if I hadn't had the Word of God, I'd have never made it. I'd have never made it. And you've had times where if it was not for the Word of God, you wouldn't make it. When we are in need, When things are pressing down on us, when life seems to be getting us totally down, what we need to do is go back to the last thing God said to us, that word that he spoke to us. We don't have to go to somebody's devotional guide to find something. When he gives us a word, that word is for us, and that word will come to pass. It will come to pass it will come to pass glory hallelujah hallelujah when God gives us the ability to get wealth and wealth is different things for different people some people don't have a lot of money in the bank somewhere but they have maybe some property or or something but when God gives us something it's because he loves us, it's because he wants us to do well, just like we want our children to do much better than we have ever done. We want them to do that. And when he gives us his promise, that promise is not for that second right there and it's done and gone. That promise that promise, it may take days, it may take weeks, it may take months, it may take years. But when God gives us a promise, He intends to bring it to pass. He will not fail in bringing it to pass. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. One of the things He does that far is because there are people all around us all around us there are people that we need to help we need to bless one of our restaurants that we like to eat at there's a young man i don't know his name he's a black young man and um, don't ask me where it is because i won't tell you but he's a little bit odd looking like some of the rest of us like me he's a little bit odd looking But he is a hard-working young man. He's a hard worker. He goes about quietly doing his job. He's not frowning and fussing and fuming. And the first thing I do when I go in the the restaurant is I go and get a 20 uh, broken up into a couple of 10s or maybe a few 5s. And before I leave that restaurant, I, I go to him And I just hand it to him I don't say this is for you I don't say anything I just hand it to him because you see God has blessed me and he wants me to bless others he wants me to bless others until I studied this I didn't think that we really needed to bless people that are sitting down by the street with a little sign But the Lord convicted me about that. We don't know what that person has been through. We don't know what's going on in their life, even at that very time. And we can do something to bless them. Jesus was teaching and showing that that we are not as his people. See, we're not like everybody else. I didn't say we're better than everybody else, but we're not like everybody else. We're the people of God. We are the people of God. Say that with me. We are the people of God. More is expected of us. More is expected of us than is expected of people out there in the world. He's coming against heartless, selfish youth use. Of wealth, as far as I can tell, the Lord never treated outward circumstances as having the power of determining the destiny of a person. Things outside of a person, as far as I can tell from His teaching, He never said in those things that this is. Uh, let's see now. How do I want to say this? I may have to have Pastor help me here. He's a wordsmith and. I may need some help. He never treated outward conditions as having the power of determining the destiny of a person. This parable, what a man does with what he has determines what becomes of him. What a man does with what he has determines, it determines what becomes of that man. We are stewards. We are stewards. We're not owners. We are stewards. We have been entrusted by our Father with whatever it is in the way of wealth that we have. Some of us would maybe have more wealth if we were better able to manage wealth. I don't know, you probably know this. I've never played it. But uh, most people who win the lottery in a couple of years, they're broke, just as broke as they were before they won the lottery. They don't know how to manage money. They don't have to know how to use money. They don't have to know how to invest money and it just seems to take wings and fly away. Somebody said money talks, but all it tells me is buy. <laughs> this parable, this account, this story, whatever you prefer, does not teach it does not teach the youth of the use of wealth. As being the only determining factor, but as is true of all the other parables, it has to zero in on the lesson it teaches in order to imprint it upon our minds and our hearts. Yeah. To, to burn it, as it were, into our hearts. And that's why we have the scripture laid out the way that it is. That's all I'm going to say about that. Look with me this morning at three points in this story. Point A is the conduct of the rich man. The conduct of the rich man. Part B is the fate of the rich man. And part C is the warnings to keep us from the sin of the rich man and from the judgment that came to him. Apparently this story was an imaginary story, one that Jesus came to Jesus as he was thinking, as he was waiting with his father and talking to his father. If you prefer to believe that it's a parable, that's fine. I I have no problem with that. But it's sort of an imaginary story that embodies a normal fact in a single case. The rich man's story is one which Jesus sets before us the sin and the fate. It's interesting, I think, it's interesting, I think, that neither the rich man nor the beggar is shown to be doing anything, but each one is only described. We're not told specifically about some part of their behavior, but we're only, being, we're only seeing them as they're described. Some have a problem here in that the rich man is not accused of doing anything bad. He wasn't a drunk. He was not on dope. Uh, He didn't beat his wife. He was he was a relatively good person. And some people, when they read the entirety of this story and see what happened to this man, they wonder, how could this happen? Because this man was not accused of doing anything bad. Furthermore, Lazarus is not reported to have done done anything good or devout. That's odd, isn't it? This story doesn't tell anything the man did wrong or that Lazarus did right. Some people who hastily interpret the Scriptures have understood, or I should say, have misunderstood Jesus to be teaching the communist doctrine. What is the communist doctrine? It is the doctrine... That having wealth is wrong, it's bad, it's sin. That's why you hear people that are uh, communistic in their outlook. You see them and they talk about, we're going to take from the rich and give to the poor. Well, if you take from the rich, take everything the rich people have, where is there going to be any jobs? Some people have been blessed with intellect and ability to invest and turn. One man who's a very close friend of mine on the Outer Banks, I asked him how his son was doing over the phone the other day, and he said, "Ron, everything he touches turns to gold." Well, the 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 communist doctrine is that having wealth is wrong; it is sin. And poverty is virtuous. Unfortunately, they're talking about, "You're in my poverty. they're not talking about their poverty. Amen? Jesus knows all. He knows all about it. He understands it. I'm not going to get on a political soapbox by any means. But that is, that is trash. That is trash. To want people who have worked many years, invested, worked their fingers to the bone. They've saved. They haven't spent every dime they got. They've saved. They've put things away. They've touched people and helped people and blessed people. The Lord has no problem with our being blessed. He has no problem with that. And it is trash to believe as this that that, um, did not match up with the words that came from Jesus' lips. What he does teach is this. Listen to me carefully. What he does teach is that heartless wallowing in luxury while beggars lie at your door is sin. It is sin, and there will be retribution for that. Now, I think somebody missed it, so I'm going to run over it quickly. What Jesus does teach is that heartless, wallowing in luxury, while beggars lie about your door, about the gate at your house, is sin. And it will bring retribution. The fact that the rich man did nothing is what condemned him. The fact that the rich man did nothing is what condemned him. He was not damned because he had purple robes. He was not damned because he had purple robes. And underneath them fine linen. He was not damned because he lived in abundance or because every meal at his house was a feast. None of that is what caused this man to miss the kingdom of God. He was judged because while he lived in luxury and lived in abundance, he utterly ignored the plight of the beggar at his gate by the name of Lazarus. And used his wealth for his own gratification. A friend of ours who pastors in Wilmington, you, most of you know him, he told me about a man that he's very close to who had a roaring business, Chick fil A business. And uh, when you are the first person in a city and you are going in that business, Then you have a right to put other stores there. And someone asked him, said, Why are you not opening up other stores? Pastor, he said, Because money is not my God. Now it doesn't mean that everybody that has more than one store is they're they're off. But this man said, Money is not my God. And myself and my wife and our two children and their husbands and their children will never want for anything. I want to serve the Lord. An actual case that I know of personally. He might be able, if he chose to, to wallow in luxury. But he chooses to be content with what he has, what God's blessed him with. And be a blessing to other people. The fact that the rich man did nothing. Is what caused him to miss the kingdom of God. It wasn't his robes. It wasn't his address. It wasn't his balance at the bank. It was what he did. With what God had blessed him with. He used He used wealth for personal gratification. That's it. That's all that is to be said about his life. This man lived to gratify every desire that came into his heart, came into his mind. He just went and did it. He got it. He bought it. He put it in his yard. He put it in the lake behind his house. There is not much said about the character in his life. He comes on the scene to help bring out heartlessness. Jesus brings him in. The curtain goes up and he comes in to help bring out the heartlessness and self-indulgence of the rich man. His disposition is not elaborated on at all. Probably because it is not our duty to help just good, deserving people. I remember hearing Ed Nelson tell the story of a man that came to him. He was new in the area where Ed was pastoring. Came to Ed and his wife was a businesswoman and she did very well. But he just couldn't seem to get anything going. He couldn't find a decent job. And he came to Ed and he said, Ed... Our pastor, he said to him, uh, my wife does well and we live pretty good. But he said, is there any way you could help me? I've not been able to get a job. When I get a job, it goes away. I just have all kinds of problems. And Ed said, well, yes, I I would be happy to to help you and work with you. And uh, he said, what would you like to do? And he said, well, I'd like to open a business. So Ed said, okay, I will help you. I'll go to the bank. I will borrow enough money that you can get started in your business. You, You do all of that. I will provide the money to help you get started and help you in your business. Well, after a while, Ed asked the man, said, well, how is business going? And he said, well, it's not going very good. I would like for you to run the business and do the sales. And all that's to be done. And Ed said, well, that's not how it works. It doesn't work that way. He said, I'm glad to help you. I'm glad to help you. But it doesn't work that way. You have got to put your hand to the plow. You've got to get with it. You've got to go out and knock on the doors. You've got to make the phone calls. You've got to send out the mailings. All of that needs to be done. But in spite of the fact that Ed felt at the beginning that this man would not succeed, he tried to help him. And I I see in that a lesson. You know, it's easy for us to write people off. I said it's easy for us to write people off. We don't understand them. We don't know what's going on in their heart and in their mind. There is a hint that Lazarus was a man of character. And it's in his name. I'm told that the word Lazarus means. God helps. God helps. There's a little outward sign that Lazarus had divine help. But he did not cast away. His confidence. That he had in God. Probably. Probably. Lazarus did get crumbs occasionally from the rich man's table, though he did not get it from the rich man himself. Probably somebody in the home threw a few crumbs out for him. The packs of dogs that came and licked his sword, which certainly tells us of his helplessness, coupled with the neglect he was surrounded by, Someone could have driven those dogs away. They did not do so. Lazarus was at the gate of the rich man in his line of vision, but he got no help from that man. It's not like the rich man would have had to hunt for people who were poverty-stricken. There's a man laying at his gate, peering through his dining room window, Lazarus needed help, and this man was capable of giving help. He was right under his nose. We all have opportunities laid before us for us to help. If we are able, our guilt is great if we neglect them. If we have the ability and we neglect them, then the Bible, I believe, refers to that As wickedness. This truth. This truth. Has a sharp edge for us. But they are forgotten. These truths are forgotten. By professing Christians. In the second part of the story. The Lord follows each of these men. In the land. And beyond the land. To the grave. He does not. So. He does He does so not to show us the secrets of the land beyond the grave, but to impress on us the truth that there is retribution for the sin that we're looking at this morning. Wallowing in luxury while people around us need help is not pleasing to God. It is not pleasing to God. He wants to impress that. On us this morning, I imagine that's the reason. At Five o'clock this morning, he redirected me. The difference between the ends of these two men to survive death, Lazarus, Lazarus continued to be neglected even after he died. You say, well, how do you know that, Ron? Because the Bible doesn't say he was buried. The rich man. The blessings the rich man had had, they seemed to follow him because he was put away. He was probably in in the greatest style imaginable. Lazarus wasn't even buried in the ground. The rich man died. In spite of all his gorgeous purple robes, in spite of his fine linen, his funeral was something to behold. Probably a lot of fibs. My dad used to call them lies were told. His funeral is mentioned because not because of his pomp and showiness. All that I have just referred to suggests that all of it had to be left behind. One of the torments for this mind was that he remembered everything he had. Left behind. Isn't that amazing? I never thought of that before. One of the torments. There were many. But one of the torments. Was over the fact. That he had had to leave behind this. And leave behind that. Until all of it was gone. How sad that is. The terrible picture of the rich man's torment warns us what the end of a selfish life like his is. The soul that lives to itself, the soul that lives to itself, does not find satisfaction beyond the grave. The soul that lives to itself, the it's the thing we learned in school said no man lives unto himself and no man dies unto himself. The soul that lives unto himself is not finding satisfaction when he leaves this world. Our character, our character, our character determines our destiny. Our character determines Our destiny. And to live unto self is death. Now the roles are reversed. The beggar now possesses abundance and delight. Lazarus is in the kingdom. And everything is wonderful. Everything is beautiful. Everything is magnificent. The Bible tells us that the rich man is now the sufferer and not the needy. The rich man now desires from the very beggar that he would not bring to his table. I'm, you're already ahead of me. I see some of you nodding your head. The rich man was talking to Father Abraham and said to Father Abraham, Send Lazarus. See, he's, he's been used all of his life to give in orders. Barking orders. And he's still trying to bark orders. And he says, please, Father Abraham, send Lazarus to the place where my family lives. Send Lazarus to the place where my brothers live. Because they are lost. May God help us. May God help us. To be concerned about our loved ones, our friends, our enemies. May God help us. Father Abraham said, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. He said, there's a great expanse of space between where you are and where Lazarus is. And those who would come from there to us cannot. And those who would go from here to there will not, cannot, must not. This man lived in the lap of luxury. Now he wants the same beggar that he despised to go and do him a favor. The retribution for refusing to help. Is denial. Afterward. The retribution. For refusing to help. Is denial. Hereafter. No good things. Had been shared. In his past life. It wasn't just Lazarus. That didn't get anything. Nobody got anything. The rich man. Had exclusive rights. To these things. They had been his good things, with Lazarus having to carry a load like very few people have ever carried in their lives. Earth was the place where they could have helped each other, but the man was unwilling. The impression that we're left with is that life here, now, determines our hereafter. Life here and now that you live and I live is going to determine our hereafter. God help us. Character that is set here, it is set. It is set. And it has hardened. Cannot when we Have an opportunity to leave this world. It cannot be remolded there. It has to be done here. That's why it's important for us to tell the truth. That's why it's important that we say what we mean and mean what we say. It builds character in us. When we stand up and say yes I did say this. And yes I'm going to stand by what I say." God help us. God help us. Finally, the last part of the story teaches that the fatal sin of heartless selfishness is inexcusable. The fatal sin of heartless selfishness is inexcusable. The rich man probably thought that if he had only known Things would have been different. He had not been warned sufficiently, he felt. Abraham's answers teach the value of Moses and the prophets, or the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and the prophets. You know what they are. I won't go through the list of them now. I wonder if we value God's Word as we ought Abraham's answers teach the value of Moses and the prophets and the impossibility of making men listen to a divine message that they did not want to listen to. He just assumed that if Lazarus went back and tapped on the door and said, I'm Lazarus, you remember me from being out here. He just assumed that they would fall on their knees. Jesus in this story said it isn't that way if they will not believe the word of God if they will not believe the word of God they will not be saved the rich man is in torments because he lived for self and he lived for self not because he did not know that it was wrong but because he did not choose to do what he knew was right. I've uh, stumbled around a little bit this morning. I beg your patience. But this is the word of the Lord. It is the word of the Lord. And it is, it is the same word of the Lord that John 3.16 is in. And that First 1 John 1, nine is in. And on and on and on we go. I wonder this morning, if I am right that he redirected me this morning early, I wonder if God does not want to increase in us a willingness to bless other people when there is a genuine need to bless other people so that they will be able to hear what we have to say. Would you stand with me and let's pray together? Uh, I thank you. I thank you that you don't leave us wondering how we're supposed to live, but you have taught us in your word. You've taught us clearly, and there are many, many, many things. In the passage that we read in Luke 16 that we never said a word about this morning. But this is also in Luke chapter 16. Father, please help us. If we need to be convicted of living and wallowing in luxury. Convict us, Father, I pray. Convict us, Father. and Lord, help us to be willing for you to just speak almost a silent word to our ear and say, that person needs help. Lord, I thank you that I can bless that young man at that restaurant. I pray that sometime maybe he will say, well, why do you do this? Or whatever. And I know that in this congregation there are people that are generous and they love You, and they love the church, and they love the people of God, and they want to be a blessing to people around us. And I thank you for them, Father. I pray that you would remember that you said also in Luke, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom shall men give into your bosom. Give and it shall be given unto you. Help us, Lord, to see that maybe there's some person here today that's in a real jam financially and maybe you are wanting to say to that person, the way out is to take something from what you have and give it to someone who doesn't have anything. Thank you for the giving people of this church, Father. Thank you for the people who tithe to this church, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray that we would learn the lessons that I tried to teach this morning that are so important, Father, that you took up room in your Bible to speak to us about this, Lord. Rich man wasn't a bad, low-down Sorry skunk, but he, he wallowed in his luxury and he looked away from people who were in need. Oh Father, I pray that we would learn a lesson today that we will never forget as long as we live and that we would put it into practice. Help us not to go to the extreme with it, Father. I've seen and most of these folks have seen people who could not afford to give very much who went way beyond their ability. and then were upset with you because you didn't help them. Thank you, Father, that you said if we, if we lack wisdom, all we have to do is ask you and you will give it. You will give it. I thank you for your blessing. Cause this word to, to speak to your people. Throughout the coming days, I pray, and I thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we bless you. Amen. Amen.